before we get going, I just wanted to give a little shameless plug uh, to Castley Skis for their very kind sponsorship of me for the season. Um, if you're considering a new pair of skis for this season, please uh, check out their website, kessley.com. So 25 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burrows, I'm the director and owner of Snow Pro Ski School based here in Valdilier in Switzerland. Hope you're all well uh, in these strange and interesting times. Um, I have personally spent the summer kind of uh, trying to plan what the winter is going to look like and what my team's going to look like and also updating a few things that I've been meaning to do. Um, so I'm very much set for the ski season. Um, it's just whether the ski season is very much set for us. And uh, um, personally, in terms of my my planning uh, for this ski season, um, I'm pretty much carrying on on the basis that it's going to be business as usual with a few restrictions. So uh, we might be looking at, say, I don't know, masks in certain lifts or, or um, a sort of reduced number of, of tourists and stuff coming to... Um, coming to ski with us more more locals i think coming to ski um in their in their local area now with this in mind um this episode i traveled over to verbier to speak to julian griffiths from european snow sport um he has the heady honor of being the uh the first person to get a second interview on the podcast but we we sat down to do something of a a sort of a covid special um with sort of various uh various sort of summary of what where we are to date and and what we think the ski season might look like going forward um so that's going to be the first half of the um of the podcast today and then we touch later on on, on some changes in Bayesi and and uh, and some other stuff so enjoy this first half and, uh, and i will catch you uh, at the midpoint break Welcome to the Ski Instructor Podcast for the second time, Julian Griffiths, European Snow Sport, Verbier, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm, um, I'm honoured to be the first person to get the second <laughs> episode. I mean, I've listened to, I think, almost all of the others, and it's actually been, it's been really nice to hear colleagues, people I've known for... 20 years talk about their early skiing life and mm. how they got into it and their formative experiences you know because sometimes it's people who like run rival ski schools or you know you know them in, in quite a tight like busy trainer space or a yeah. ski school space or they work for you or you work for them or whatever it is and and you suddenly get a broader picture of their of their life so your podcasts have been have been great actually really I was talking I, I ride motorbikes in the summer with Phil Phil Brown of Impulse, uh, National Schools Snow Sport Association. And we talk a lot about this, is sort of to try and get away from this concept of, you know, so nominally, I do, I do a little bit of work in Verbier, but not much. I wouldn't consider us to be rivals. But I don't really, I don't really care about that because I'm here to kind of, you know, my, my overall thing is to grow 
the scheme pie rather than think of us as fighting over a small piece of pie. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm a, you know your organisation is massive compared to mine, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go sort of necessarily. You know, I'm not. A, I don't see myself as a competitor, but I don't even think about it in that that concept. You know, yeah. we're all trying together as one big thing to bring people into this sport that we all love and teach them how to ski. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter how many of us that are doing it, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, let's start with some bad news or some sad news. Yeah, um, you know, we've got to we've got to start with that. My good friend Danny McCabe, um, Lieutenant Commander Danny McCabe. Um, who has passed away and was so sad and he was just such a wonderful guy I don't think there's anyone I can think of who's come into skiing, ski instruction done so much, done so well has helped so many people Mm. and he just made friends with really good people on different sides of different resorts and different, you know everywhere and the guy was fantastic. I mean, he came from the Royal Navy. He was um I think one of his last jobs he was the weapons officer on HMS um Glasgow or a type it's a destroyer. Mm. And he was the weapons officer, like the, the proper fighting, you know <coughs> you probably if you've left an airport in the south of England at some point in the last 30 years, yeah. you've, your, your plane has probably been identified, <laughs> categorised <laughs> by, a, by a, a missile system run by Danny. But what, I mean, what, what he did is he came and, you know, when I was, um, one of, he, his level one course, there are a few courses that I ran in, in the 10 years that I was a trainer, which stood out because almost everybody on the course went on to stay in skiing. Ah, that's unusual. Yeah, and he was on, on a level one. Yeah, he was yeah. on one of those courses and um, there was just something about like I'd love to say it was me, but it was probably more him, like it was all it was all blokes on the course. And he just had a way of like creating a little bit of banter in the group as a candidate, mm. which made everyone feel comfortable. And you come from the Navy and you've been on a ship with a lot of people and you've just got to be able to yeah, make everyone get on, get on feel yeah. valued, you know, not have one of those groups that gets too competitive. And mm. if someone's a, a bit of a loon, you know, you can you can give them a funny nickname that they don't mind, mm. that makes a makes makes like makes a happy thing out of their quirk. And then mm. just a team, you know. And I mean, I took them up instead of doing the lecture rooms. I took them up into the when we went for a walk up into the mountain, and I found a little bowl. And I sat there like with my group and. The, the banter in the group was great. Mm. And I think it was probably down to him and everyone in that group. Simon McComb was in that group and Cullen, who went on to build a great business and sell it. Danny, Dominic, um, Cottrell, who, you know, he's not in the industry, but there are a few people. The Kiwi guy, I mean, we just call him Kiwi. Mm. I still call him Kiwi. <laughs> and that's from Danny. And, and, and he started there and he was, you know, early 40s, mm. mid 40s, pretty good skier. But I like, he did Ironman. He did mm. telemark racing. He did. I mean, he did all sorts of stuff. Um, highly respected, and he came in, flashed through the system, got his level four, and when you saw the way he went at the Euro test, as an, a much probably one of the oldest people to pass it. Mm. I mean, he had this, he had this sort of campaign plan. Mm. He identified the best people to train with. He became great friends. He went off training with them. 
he got super, I mean, he's already super fit, he got super fit. He had a little van which he fitted out with all this sort of wooden interior with the space for everything. And it was like, you know, hmm. I mean, the approach yeah. that he took um, was fantastic. And you can't say it's down, I mean, in the Navy, I think he joined at 16 like as, as, as a ranker. Hmm. They sent him to university, made him an officer, got to lieutenant commander. Hmm. I mean, brilliant. And then it worked at the Ministry of Defence. Yeah. And a lovely guy, you know, he'd remember your kids' names and do you know what I mean? No, yeah. you know, remember stuff you told him before. I mean, just fantastic. And always mentioning his, his lovely wife, Adrienne. Um, right, yeah, sad. brilliant. We're seeing, brilliant we're seeing too many people. Sorely missed. Yeah, I'm seeing too many of the, too much of this. I was just saying to you earlier that I know so many people now that are being touched by this or who have died from this kind of thing. And I don't know whether it's just a consequence of the age that, you know, and you, these things start to happen to people at the age that you become or, or whether it's like a modern phenomenon. I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't... Uh, yeah. I think, I think that, that he had a short illness and yeah. it's probably all, you know... It makes me want to do something more about it and I'm planning actually for, for my friend um, Ian who used to ride motorbikes with. His, his One of his last things that he asked me to do was to take his motorbike helmet and wear it and ride this route that he wanted to ride down it's called Napoleon Way from Gap down to Cannes I cycled that oh yeah. yeah well we're going to ride it and probably do it that was like my peak cycling uh. yeah yeah so uh, he wanted us to do this and I'm going to get yeah. a group of guys together we're going to do that next year and, and I'm trying to work out a way that we can do it for charity just to kind of raise some money for the for, for, for you know the thing that, that took him from us which is it's ah, awful. It's it's awful. Awful. it is awful yeah yeah but it's I mean just just in like you know I mean little anecdote I it's very good I mean when I first set up a second resort and you were asking me about this mm. last time I really you know we'd, we'd been successful in Verbier and we thought right off go do Zermatt mm. and um, I got this Swiss guy ski school director and I gave him his job was to find like six instructors, six Swiss instructors. He said all these local guys would follow him. And I said, great, well, I'll give you six young, keen Brits. That's kind of what happened in Verbier. We had half locally requested, mm. half young, keen Brits to, you know, to get into that sort of British referral community. Mm. And I, but in November, he turned up, he said, oh, I haven't got any locals to join me. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll have another six, have another six young Brits. So yeah. I had this old, older Swiss instructor with 12 young British instructors. And I gave him a British guy who was like technical director and a couple of people in supporting leadership roles. You know, as I say now, I mean, mm. and it was just a disaster. I mean, guys, look, I mean, we did, we did any business and sh sh total shit stop. Mm. Um, I probably have to edit that out now. It's all right. And I got to the end of the season, and half it was two thirds of the way through the season, and I was just like, I was despairing. I didn't know about really about chains of command or and I said to Danny I said look you've done you know all about leadership and stuff can you go over there and they're all falling out and at each other's throats and trying to get my ear and I was like can you go over there and like talk to them or interview them all and um, I sent him out he went over and he sat down with this Swiss guy and before the guy was like to me, he was like, "Who's this guy? Who's he sending?" And as he, you know, this Swiss guy, he's, he's a cool guy. He's done like, he was like male modelling on GQ in the eighties. He's done Iron Man. He's like, 
he's like a sort of Swiss, like, I don't know, he's cool anyway. He's, yeah. And he's, um, he's like, who is, who is this guy? And has he done the Iron Man? I was like, mm, is he a fully certified Swiss? And I was like, mm, he's not yet, but he will be. Yeah, but where's he from? I was like, he's from England. Oh. And I was like, well, yeah. And has he done the Iron Man? And I was like, he has done Iron Man. And he was like, oh. So I sent Danny over, I sent Danny over to interview him and he sat and then he interviewed his sort of lieutenants and then he interviewed a couple of the instructors and I gave him all the problems we've been having and he came back to me and he said, look, Julian, um, he said, Julian, he didn't, he, I was expecting to get a cult, you know, I was expecting to like mm. identify some bad egg who, who I could toast, you know, and he just said, Julian, this is all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> you've let the, you've let the lieutenants get your ear, you've yeah. listened to the staff, you've undermined, you've done this, you've done that, and you gave me this great list of failings that I'd done, you know, and I was just like, oh, okay, Danny, right, thanks. And from that, applying what he told me, <laughs> it took another 15 years, but Zerma has become really good and I've mm. changed my approach. And, you know, since that moment, really, since he helped me, I've I had mm. a director in, in Zerma. And I go and see that person, listen to them, go for a ski with the guys, but I don't, you know, yeah. I don't listen to like them, yeah, their yeah. little whinging and or whatever. No, it has to be a... The, the person in charge has to be the person. He taught me all that and, mm. and brilliant, you know. He came to work, he came to work here for a while and, you know, he came up with loads of ideas, how we could improve things. And I mean, just brilliant. I mean, mm. you know. Um, yeah. You know, good. Told, told yeah. us it is. Great. Yeah. Great guy. All, all, all sorely miss him. And I think probably speak for everybody who met him, who probably quite a few were listening to this, and we, we all will, um, will miss Danny. Mm. So yeah, it's been, I've probably mentioned him again later. But, okay. Yeah. Um, so thank you for welcoming me to your pied à terre in, uh, <laughs> in Verbier. It's very nice. You've, uh, you've welcomed me with some almond croissants, tea. Almond croissant, no, if you Local, local jam, I'm gonna, yeah, going to... Yeah, local valleys and jam. Local valleys yeah. and jam, lovely. Yeah. So if you hear any munching, that's what we're doing. My principal idea of what I wanted to talk to you about, because I think it's going to be really well-timed this, is you run, it's fair to say, a pretty massive operation across the Alps. We talked, when we last saw each other in Saspe, you were talking about rolling out Val d'Azur and... St. Moritz? No. Another? Yeah, St. Moritz is already... Yeah, there. we did last year for the first time. With, um, with the yeah, Zermatt, Verbier, various other places. Yeah. So we should probably talk. I think I wanted to talk to you specifically, and but I thought we'll record it for posterity. Is where where we are in terms of this whole COVID thing, and then what it's going to look like, in your opinion, and maybe mine, if anyone's interested in it. Yeah. as to what skiing is going to look like this winter. And we just chuck some thoughts around and people can take what they want out of it. That, that's my idea for this this episode, amongst some other stuff we're going to talk about. Well, I, I drove down to um, Milan last week to see um, Vittorio, mm. who's the new president of the ISIA. And as I pulled up to the traffic lights, there were there was this guy who came up and like washed my windscreen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wound down the window I was like stop 
don't, please. And I was like, oh, then you can feel guilty, so you can be Euro, and you're just like furious with yourself. Yeah. So what I'm going to be, I hope, I mean, if we're lucky, in a year's time, I'm going to start a business called Posh Wash. Okay. And we'll be in like the end of, you know, Sloan Square or at the end of the Putney Bridge or something. Mm. We won't, he was quite scruffy, so we're going to have like little jackets on, <laughs> and, you know, our water will be made of it, washing water will be made of Evian, you know, we'll, yeah. it'll be that sort of, you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, yeah. hopefully at this time of the next year, we're going to have a Euro to be able to give to that guy. <laughs> we're all fucked. It seems like it. No, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think we are. What did the um, end of... Let's, 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 do, let's go history to present to okay. future. Yep. yep. So what did, what did the end of last year... So you, were the same as us, everyone in Valais, abruptly shut 15th March, yeah. D-Day, and or 12th March, whenever it was. And it's funny, my, my assistant yesterday, I'll tell this to you, uh, listener, my assistant yesterday said, oh, yeah, don't forget about this spreadsheet. You have an assistant? Which is, oh, yeah. Don't you? Mm. Sounds good. She's brilliant. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. It's called Alicia. She, you're not, I've told her yesterday she's never allowed to leave. Oh. Because uh, she, I, I don't know what I'd do with that. I think she just applied for something. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. The... Um, she said, yeah, don't forget about this spreadsheet, which is all the credit notes that you gave for last year for the people who skiing that wasn't done. Yeah. And I had slipped my mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, you have to pay for their turns out, turns you have to pay for their instructors Turns now, out it's so. quite a big number. Yeah. And, um, saying, yeah. you know, we're, we, we then had a quick skirt around the, the, the internet amongst some of your rival ski schools around here. People have really tightened up their cancellation policies for this year. Well, they've gone the wrong way. I mean, I think they've gone the yeah. wrong way, and and um, you know, in terms of how harsh they're being, how corporate they're being. Yeah, who's going to book for them? Well, this is my thing, and so we're going to. Well, ours is already extremely understanding, you know, in terms yeah. of a cancellation policy. Um, but anyway, so all of that is there. So that's where we were last year. Presumably, that affected you across the whole Alps. How how, how was how was that when it happened for you? Um, well, it was. Um, pretty tough. I mean, we, we, at the end of half term, everything was fine. And then from that weekend, I went to Zermatt and had a, had a bit of a crash. And the week after I thought I'd broken some ribs, hmm. I couldn't breathe. And I was like, what is this? You know, this is really bad. Um, went to the doctor and he was like, no, you haven't broken any ribs. And then people were starting to get COVID around town and yeah. Um, and then I just got I got really sick and then on the 13th of March the lifts closed and it was bizarre we just went from the resort started to get quieter after half term mm. quieter than normal yeah. as people stopped coming skiing mm-hmm. but almost everybody in Verbier most people have had it now have immunity mm-hmm. so it's a pretty safe place to come um, and I, I know that I know that people are People are saying, "Oh no, the immunity doesn't last and stuff." But when it, when it, it, it I think it does, and we're going to test everybody for antibodies and everything. We'll, we'll mm. talk about that later. But um, when it closed down, it was totally bizarre because you know normally we have end of season parties, we have weekly training, we have yeah. lots of social stuff, and, and we just um, we just went good. we just went from running a ski school, heading towards Easter, getting ready for that, mm. to locked in the house with the wife and kids and, and um, like we couldn't even have an end one ski school did in, in Zermatt which we thought was a little imprudent but mm. th- we had um, we just had a um, 
we couldn't even have an end of season party or we had a Zoom call, and, mm. uh, you know, but it was really bizarre. And everyone, it, it, strange, very strange, I noticed a lot of people in the resort were like, oh, the skiing, oh, we can't go skiing, or we can't do this, and we can't do that. And uh, it seemed to take a while before people realised that this is like a global economy-killing mm. pan- yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was totally, and we just we just had to stop. And then because we have we have a twenty four hour cancellation policy, uh, we do too. Yeah, so it is. I think the most generous. Yeah, because those other companies, their instructors don't get paid if they cancel if you cancel a week in advance. Mm. So they just pocket their money. So mm. we have a generous policy, which hopefully means people will come and yeah, they can get out easily if if their plans change. Um, mm. And we're not we're not screwing anyone over and creating any bad feelings. So. I don't think that you yeah. can do that to people, can you? Sorry, listener, I've got my mouth full of uh, ham croissant. But the, I don't think that you can do that to people in terms of, especially in this current climate, because it's on people's mind. What happens if it changes? Mm. You know, I think you've got to try and... Also with a view to that client coming back to you in the future. Yeah. Right? You can't just say that, I'm oh, sorry, dude. Like, you know, we just took your money. You know, yeah. Tough tough on you here's a letter for your insurance company who who won't pay out now anyway mm. you know because they've all inserted a covid clause in their insurance policy you, you can you can check your insurance policy listener and you can be sure that that will be in there um you know it's it, it's yeah i don't think that you can do that i think in, in in most instances in business you have to try and do the right thing yeah by your client otherwise you, you make a sort of terrible reputation for yourself yeah well, I think you're right. Yeah, so you're right. Um, you know, so we, we had to just like just like you probably we had to refund people yeah. who would book. Some people um, said, "Look, we understand this is really hard for you. We're happy to accept a credit." Yeah. We didn't push people to do that. No. Um, and some people did that, which was great because mm. that just left a little bit more money. And you know, the Swiss government handled it so well. Yeah. They had a daily briefing where the government tells people. What it is. Mm-hmm. There aren't then. A, there isn't then a huge mass politicised media mm. with a with a supporting cast of, of experts mm. trying to undermine them. Yeah. The speech people go, okay, what do we do? We do that, and then it's done. And they kept the infection rates down. They kept the death yeah. rates down. They have. Um, um, I w- I'd like to. I mean, I should mention our old lawyer, Mister Fluckiger, died of it. Right. Um, early of on. it or with it? Of well, it called yeah, of of it, from it. Something. Mm. So that was very sad. Um, but but yeah, I mean a lot of you know like for example, I went for my I went for my test, antibody test and virus test. On the same day, um, the UK sent the test that I did to Portman Down for testing, mm. and then a week or two later they decided oh. Now, now we'll let the doctors, I mean, so over-centralised, so over-controlled. Mm, mm. I sat there with my doctor and he said, yeah, you know, people say Verbier had a lot of cases, but it didn't. It's just that I ordered the test kits before anyone in Zermatt. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we had yeah. we had people on the, we had the numbers yeah. before anyone else. Mm. And I was like, where did you order from? Oh, I just ring up and buy them. Mm. Each doctor can ring whoever he wants and buy whatever he wants, yeah. do whatever testing yeah. he wants. Yeah. And I spoke to my sister who works, who runs um, doctor surgery in, in England. And she was like, oh no, well, we have to go from through this. There's a central body with a chief, course, you know, yeah. with a chief executive and a cast of experts who 
stop everything and centralise everything and mm. you know you've just got to trust the doctors to treat the people and let them buy whatever they want mm. I mean it's um, yeah. we don't no, want to get into a debate it's... about healthcare but the Swiss handled it very well um, and as a result I think if there are any skiers listening um, you should come skiing in Switzerland yeah, I do. You know, it's. <clears throat> I think it's a good choice. I think probably the people that that are used to coming to, to, to skiing in Switzerland will continue to come to Switzerland. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and Switzerland reputationally is, you know, it's what it is. It's it's um, it's, it's got a good reputation, but but also the populace here is extremely good and I've not seen this before, but they're extremely good at all kind of working together. Yeah. In a consensus mm-hmm. to towards a common goal yeah and i've been saying to anyone that will listen it's a different mindset for what we would call maybe the anglo people so brits maybe what you're seeing going on in the us people are much more kind of individually minded this is my sort of reading of the situation and that's why you have the situ- well, was one of the reasons that you have the situation that you have going on at the moment in the UK mm. is people just doing they're pretty bloody minded right I'm, I'm mm. one of them you're one of them we know, we know what we are but in, it was curious to see to live through that time here in Switzerland to see how everyone was just kind of okay well, well this is mm. what we're being told to do by our government mm. but you have to remember that here in Switzerland that comprises you know, the executive council comprises seven people. It's not 652 people all trying to, you know, posture and yeah, bring, right? Yeah. It's seven people who, who are representing certain areas, but actually all of the authority is devo- devolved to a cantonal mm. and uh, um, county level, you know, Valaisan Jer- level. Well, Jeremy, Jeremy Paxman in his book, The English, talks about how countries with land borders like France have to respond who have repeatedly invaded over history. Mm and face many, many threats, mm. they have to have a very centralised system mm. that can react very quickly. And, you know, sort of little phrases like paternity, whatever they have, legality, mm. these sort of like little cliches are almost part of their centralised system because they have to respond quickly. And where you're an island mm. and you face fewer external threats and the power of the government is necessarily less and people are more free. Mm. And he credits the geography of the UK as being the region reason for Magna Carta, and then descending from that is power is less centralised. Mm-hmm. People feel more free, so you don't necessarily feel you have to do what the government says. But mm-hmm. on the continent, they Switzerland, people are. It is good because people do what they're told and they do follow it and they're disciplined. It's, it's you know, funny. It's, it's, it's funny being a. It's, it's like the UK yeah. could they could just you know like do as you're told for a while and yeah you know solve this thing. Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm very much a. Um, yeah, stop telling me what what to do, kind of person. Yeah. Um, as as you might have guessed, listener. Um, but the but but and so it's very interesting for me to live here in Switzerland to, to, to kind of. There's a lot of little rules here that I kind of rail against sometimes. Mm. But I understand why they're, you know, yeah. and and the necessary, the you know. So I, I kind of allow myself to be slightly boxed in by those. Yeah whilst at the same time raging against them you know <laughs> exactly. but I think if I lived in the Swiss German part oh. I think I would be really um, 
I'd be feeling really, uh, yeah. really hemmed in. That's for sure, because they, they, you know, they're, yeah. they're much more strict there. They, they regard the guys in the French speaking bit as like heathens. It's like, it's like a little Mexico. <laughs> <in there. laughs> I had um, oh, I, uh, a ski with a guy called Dominic in the winter, and he's from the Swiss German, but he's a really Swiss German guy. And he, uh, yeah. He, he, yeah, but yeah, hugely funny with it. I love the Swiss German, I think they're really, really cool. But he was he lives in the French pit, and when he goes home back to his you know village or whatever, all of his family say, How is it over there? Yeah. Over there, it's the same bloody country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. how is it over there in this sort of you yeah. know wasteland fridge? <laughs> it is embarrassing. I mean, they have things like you know fewer people turn up for national service and yeah. alcoholism is higher. And you know, I mean, I, I'm a Valis, I'm a Valisan now, official Valisan citizen. So for you. I should have sent off my uh, application. Have you? Yeah. 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 you have to do the, the full test. You have to do the French test now. I'm married to a Swissette. Oh. So, uh, so we shall see. But I, I think I, I think I definitely have to. Um, I think I definitely have to have a policeman come to my house and interview me, which I is fine. I'll probably know him. He will have arrested me for speeding or something. But like, <laughs> I think you have to do the full test now. Yeah, I just, that's fine. I yeah. went and sat the full brevet for that. It can't be harder than that. Can yeah, it? can't be. How many how many um, seats are there in the Valaisan Assembly? No, no, this is the thing that no, I will, you need to learn. As, a, as, a, as a rebel, I will go and, yeah, yeah, go yeah, and yeah. learn this at the last moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've got the book, you can... Oh, cool. You're in the valley, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can take my book, and it's got everything you need. I'm going to borrow, borrow that, it. read. Yeah, because you got me through it. I think my kids got me through it. Mm-hmm. They were asking me questions, and I was like, oh, I'm panic, and the kids were like, it's all right, you know. You'll be all right. Um, but yeah. So, COVID present, here we are, we're... Um, you like me are probably have spent your summer plotting for the winter. Like a, I imagine you're like a sort of evil, evil you know, Doctor No or something, plotting no. <laughs> for winter. I've been and, trying uh, to. Oh uh, yeah, and um, you haven't seen the white cat hasn't walked through. No, not yet, not yet. And I'm like a monorail. Yeah, <laughs> two rear legs which are wheels. <laughs> but um, here we are. So here's the anecdote that will. We'll do this. I was, I was supposed to be going at the end of September to play golf in Portugal with my friends mm. for a long weekend. I was very much looking forward to it. Yeah, they cancelled that because Portugal then went on the UK. You're not allowed to, to travel unless you mm. come back and quarantine. Yeah. so that got cancelled. They said we'll play golf in the UK. So Dave, can you come here? So yeah, okay. I'll move my flights around. Not a big deal. Mm. After the hour and a half on the phone to EasyJet, managed to move all that. And now, so, yeah. or this weekend, he even have a phone number. It does, yeah, yeah. secret one. <laughs> <laughs> the the UK is about uh, UK is about to play Switzerland on its COVID fluid. Yeah, your to, bad guys list. I'm going to have to dash back tomorrow actually. Yeah. Yeah. And then Switzerland is going to do the same to probably the UK just out of spite because you know that's what you do. And this is the thing now that's just killed. Two trips. Mm-hmm. So that tourism that I was going to bring to Portugal, none of us are doing that. That tourism I was about to bring to the UK, none of us are doing that. Yeah. And if While Switzerland, this Switzerland is, reciprocate, then I mean, you know, if this yeah. carries on into the winter, then then that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. I no one's going to travel. Posh screenwash. 
the end of Putney <laughs> Bridge. Um, come and join me. I'll, I'll sort you out. Give you a bottle. Give you. I'll give you a junction. I'm going to go and plant carrots in the ballet. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> your, my big fallback is I can take my brevet and I'm going to knock at your door and say, "Hey, do you need a ski instructor?" But that's not going to work. No, 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 you've no, got no business. No, probably like each part of London is like um, owned by like the Kosovans have Knightsbridge and the Albanians yeah, yeah. have Putney. You know, gonna... we're going to have to like we're going to have to like carve out a, a couple of traffic lights. Oh, so. so yeah, so this is causing. So you know, if while this is going on, it's going to cause untold uncertainty for people who are potentially booking their ski holiday to Verbier, Zermatt, yeah, wherever. Yeah. You know? We're, 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 my thinking is what that... What are we doing? My thinking is that it's going to be fine. You can come skiing. You can socially isolate. If you have an instructor who knows what he's doing, mm. who's following a, a, a plan, he will only take you on certain lifts which are socially isolated. Mm-hmm. Your kids will be free to go skiing, which is wonderful. The speed, the freedom, the... Mm. especially if they've been locked inside for months and months um, yeah so you, you absolutely cannot go skiing without a ski instructor that's the most important <laughs> thing because you might you might take the wrong piste and then you might end up in a crowd and you know you're, you're finished yeah um, no but you should people can come skiing um, the lifts will be you know the queues might be longer but they'll be spread out if it's bad they can manage it mm. um, the, I, I see three scenarios one where we see a repeat of what happened in Australia this season or in Victoria, where the season opened, lots of people went skiing. You know, I was in Cornwall mm. last week, two weeks ago, and it was absolutely rammed with tourists. Mm. Polzeth, I think I pronounced that properly now, um, beach was, there were maybe a thousand people mm. surfing and boogie boarding in the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, I don't know, maybe it's normally like that, but it was just. No, oh, my um, one of my instructors, yeah, works yeah. on the beach, and he says it's packed. Like he's never, never been such a busy. Oh, really? Somebody says, yeah, because yeah, I went there, and I was just like, this is no, crazy. He says it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and um, that one scenario is it, the season starts and it closes. I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think they can let that happen again because the initial panic is over. And if you remember when they closed last time, Italy was getting worse and worse and worse to the point where. People were saying that in northern Italy, the food chain might break down, mm-hmm. the industrial... Yeah. And I think people have realised now they've got it in the sense of service. I don't think that's going to happen. Second scenario is where the season happens and there's a bit of social distancing. I think that's mm-hmm. a possibility. People understand it now. Mm-hmm. The third season is where, is where the second wave is now. The second wave is, is a small wave and it's controlled. And I think I think that's what... We're, that's, this is what I hope happens... Now, the, the worst case scenario is where the cold weather causes the virus to spread more easily and the second wave is much bigger going into the winter. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I really don't know which way it's going to go. And I, talking to some people the other night, I think what will happen is it will the season will be fine. It will be more last minute. Mm. So there's a little more risk for our instructors. Yeah, sure. How many, do we, how many do we bring out? How many do we hire locally? Mm. You know, what? There's not much risk in that for us, but there's huge risk for the whole community. How many people do we need? But I think when people do come, they should... They haven't had a proper summer holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, come for two weeks. Yeah. You know, or come for the season. I mean, if, you, if you're working from home already yeah. in London... Get yourself in London, home, right? What difference does it make? I mean, what do you need to be there for? If, yeah. you're, if you're already, yeah. you know, working from home on Zoom or whatever... Why not come out for the winter? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah a month or two, right? Well, oh, that rent, rent a place, come for the season. I mean, that is you one can thing. actually work and do yeah. that. And people can people do that here already. You come and work and... Do you know, that's one of the things that really has changed and I hope changes come, come for, and, the, for the permanent... Come and, um, come and live in Verbier. That's what <laughs> I'd say, you know. Um, or, or anywhere. I was saying this to my wife because when we moved to Valais, to Champery, one of her main concerns is she was a long way from Geneva, which is where a lot of her sort of contacts and, and, and you know, work is. And um, she was, you know, that was one of her concerns. I said, well, that's, it's, frankly, it's not an issue anymore. It's not an issue at all because... The, the, the people who own commercial property, their loss is everyone else's gain. Everyone's realised they don't need to work in an office anymore. Mm. I can't see that coming back anytime soon. You know, as companies realise the sheer scale of the cost saving that, that they can make. Mm. You know, yeah. you think of all that commercial. I heard from a guy at Nestle who said they've, they've scaled down the new building that they're building in Barcelona by two thirds wow. on the basis of this because they just don't need it. They don't need the space. I let my office go in... April mm. moved out in May closed it yeah and we've got the admin ladies working from home and yeah. the sales team working from home and you can see <laughs> I've mm. got a computer on the dining table and working mm. from home um, I think you're absolutely right people can people people used to do that anyway but I think a load more people have been shown that they don't need to be yeah, yeah. they don't need to be in yeah. London more like corporate bods you know like the guys that work in, in, so. in big um Big, big corporations I think they've realised that they can just be just as efficient and get an extra two hours in their day because they don't have to commute into London anymore yeah you know yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely um, yeah so that's yeah so the season to you is kind of going to pan out in three ways I, I personally think it's going to be fine and I yeah. tell you the I, I feel pretty positive yeah I, I am pretty positive except we, do, we need people you, we need people like new ski news websites and yeah. People like that to not not clickbait the fear unnecessarily. I saw that yesterday. The guy on Skipedia did it. No, not Skipedia. I'm wrong. Uh, what's the other one? Planet Ski? Might have been that one. There was a guy who did a really clickbaity one yesterday. Oh, it was I didn't see it. This is just rubbish. You know, like yeah. you can't do that. You, you Because people are already worried enough about their ski holiday. You, yeah. can't, you can't just do that. That the sort of clickbaity headline was really disappointing. I mean, it wasn't Skipedia, I'm sorry, and that wasn't you. It was someone else. Um, when I was in Cornwall, I was in the post office, and there was this TV in the corner, mm. and the the piece daytime TV they were talking about is it safe to go abroad? Yeah, and and to people in the UK, the idea that you think the risk is abroad, yeah, like yeah, the risk is of dying is so much higher mm. in the UK. If you want to escape COVID. Mm. Bring your granny over here. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't come here. Don't <laughs> the idea that somehow going abroad is going to be more dangerous. Yeah, the danger is at home. Come out yeah, to escape right. it. Mm. Now, my my view on the ski season is that there won't be, or oh, Switzerland in general for sure. I'm not yeah. sure about the other governments of Europe because they're a little bit more central than Switzerland is. But I think that there cannot be a second lockdown because you will trash mm. and send bankrupt so many businesses mm. and they know that mm. and governments need the tax revenue so you yeah. can't do it the same way that you did it last time yeah. because it will kill the skiing they've already lost an entire summer's tourism industry yeah I mean, you know like if you think of all the tour guides that you know who normally are just showing Chinese tourists around 
and there's you see that a lot in a place like Zermatt, Montreux, on the Riviera. You know, these people are packed all summer, showing people around from groups from China, Japan, wherever. Yeah, that that's not that's going to happen. You know, that that's been lost. That's gone for this summer. Yeah, but they can't trash another winter. They no. can't. They they can't afford to. Because 50% of all of the restaurants and bars will close forever, gone. Mm. You know, there'll be ski schools go to the wall, there'll be, mm. you know, people going personally bankrupt. I mean, in, in that scenario, I think, you know, I mean, however bad it gets, maybe this Danny's legacy, you know, it's not as bad as it is for, you know, I mean, maybe that's like the last little bit of, bit of leadership that people can deal with their problems. If your business is going down, if you wife has left you if the woman you love doesn't love you anymore and you, mm. you, you ski instructors are unemployed and there hasn't been any snow or whatever just deal with your problems you know yeah um, we're in this decade where you have to you know blame the government for everything <laughs> and you talk about your feelings well well it's time to the, you know, it's time to it's time it's time to like toughen up pat, toughen up pedal yes you, know? you say that but at the same time it could be worse it That's could be thing. worse but it what you what you what you do need what you do need, if you make a hash of your your own business because of your incompetence, that yeah. is your problem. Yeah. If your if your business is being trashed by the authorities without really any justification, that or, or what now we we know to be little justification, mm. because we know that there's certain you know people are at risk, certain people are not at risk, right? Yeah. But that's a different thing. I.e., what I'm trying to say to you is that if you trash your business, like let's say we're, we're playing a game of football and your team loses heavily because you're a rubbish coach, yeah, that's fine. But if the actual pitch that we're playing oh, no, yeah, is being messed yeah, with yeah. or the rules are changing as we're playing, yeah, that's a completely I mean, different thing. I mean, I hope it doesn't go really badly and I hope in, in his time that we are still all here and we have our businesses and I'm, I think we will. Yeah. I think it'll be okay. Yeah. I'm pretty positive. The numbers bear that out now. Yeah. I think so. I think it's going to be fine. And I think people, as long as people don't like scare people, and if they're in the UK, then be positive. Go skiing. I mean... Mm. Uh, go outside, yeah, right? Go, out, go outside. I mean, think of these poor kids locked in all winter. Yeah. They need to go skiing. They need to have fun. Um, skiing, yeah. skiing in the ski industry is not going to be a priority for the UK government. <laughs> not going to be like, <laughs> oh no, let's, let's, yeah. risk, uh, let's risk another 20,000 uh, yeah. deaths because of... For you Brits who live abroad, I mean this 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 goes quite well into the the next point about the French and the Bayesian and the stuff and the and the whole like civil service incompetence. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me started on that. Let, yeah. Let's um. All right. So a final word then from you. So you're expecting a slightly lighter winter. Yeah, I'm going to reduce the size of our ski schools um, across all resorts. Mm -hmm. Well, the two that we operate ourselves, and then we have some franchises and some partnerships. So I've done that. I'm too lighter this year. Yeah. Two guys lighter. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to reduce the size. Um, in the credit crisis, when that hit us 10 years ago, I reduced a bit. Mm. Um, <coughs> and I was that the right thing to do? Yeah, I thought, I thought perhaps, yeah, that'll do, but it wasn't enough. I should have cut harder. Early. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the next year I was like, well, you know, I mean, it went from we went from having, you know, we, there were there were people like Kanta Fitzgerald who had mm. five chalets here, mm. and each weekend they filled them with their own staff, customers. They were spraying champagne at each other. I mean, it was just 
loads of companies like that doing mm. loads of entertainment and then all these like bribery rules came in and all of that and the credit crisis and da 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 all that just died overnight mm. and so the instructors went from having every weekend you know being showered in champagne and taking people on corporate groups yeah and they were like well, that stopped okay so what's happening now and then the the gap courses at the same time as the credit crisis the tuition fees came in yeah so we went from having seven groups of gaps with peak leaders to one mm. um, and so my senior guys who divided amongst themselves I gave them all of them like each group got a couple hundred hours of training there were seven groups you know so there were thousands of hours of yeah. gap training all that went yeah um, and so yeah I really should have I should have cut harder then so I'm going to I'm going to let the team reduce in size I may not have to don't think we'll have to lay anyone off, but we're going to let it reduce down. And um, I, I'm, I'm and taking I the same view. It's easier to recruit rather than have a whole bunch of guys here, you know, doing nothing. Mm. Um, and I think it's important that us as directors is that we say to our staff as we're coming into the season, look, we, do, we have no idea what it's going to look like this year. Mm. So Definitely. you know, I, I've got, I've already got my diary. It's already filling up nicely, actually, reasonably nicely. But I've said, like, you know, there is a certain number of hours here, but I can't promise you it's going to be a bonanza season because no one knows. No. No one no. knows. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Be tough. I think, personally, my gut feeling is people are itching to ski. <coughs> um, those who want to ski are itching to ski because they feel like they've yeah. got some unfinished business from last year. But, but, but in addition, it's outdoors, right? You're outdoors in the fresh air. I think yeah. what we will see is less... I think British also, tourists like, and less Dutch tourists for holiday skiers. Mm, is what I, I think, think also for like the, the other ski schools in all the resorts, we need to all work. You know, it's going to be really tough. Mm. Some people might not make it through the winter. So, you know, look after each other and mm. help each other. Um, you know, we're all, we're all competing normally, but people should, if they can, you know, help each other out a little bit. And, yeah work together because we're all we're all in this thing that we're all facing the same problem yeah. yeah I mean everyone's probably competing to think well who can some people produce some very nice COVID strategies or whatever but that's all good But and that's competitive and that's great but people should you know cooperate collaborate hmm. um, as much as they can because sh- there'll be some chalet businesses which I think might 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 not make it yeah, some, yeah. you know who knows so yeah. you know be, be kind to each other um, yeah everyone deal, but it's going to be tough so I mean deal with your you know yeah, yeah. deal with your problems spending time um, with him and uh, there's very very kind words in there you know about Danny and, uh, and it's, it's a real loss to uh, to our community as well um, with uh, with the second half we then carry on and we, we, we talk a little bit more about the changes like I said that, that, that are happening um, with Bayesian and, and certainly with 
specifics to getting yourself declared uh, to work in France if you haven't already done so. And you can reference back to the Simon Butler episode of, of the podcast for more information about how to do that. Um, we talk a little bit about um, Switzerland and how the, 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 the British ski instructors are going to be affected um, by that. And, uh, and finally, we talk a little bit more about uh, the book that Julian has written in lockdown. Um, so that's going to be uh, interesting to see when that one, one comes out. Um, just a quick hello to uh, Hubert Beaumont and Simon Christie. Thank you for getting in touch. I uh, really, really appreciate the, uh, the emails that you guys have sent to me. Um, especially Simon, who was, uh, was talking to me about skidding, which, um, yes, I agree with you 100%. So uh, that's really, really cool. Um, so the next episode uh, is already in the can, it's already been recorded, um, in fact I've got two coming up for you um, and that takes us in a Swiss direction and an Austrian direction, um, so I'm very much looking forward to getting those edited and, and I'll get those out uh, later on in September. Um, but for now, enjoy the rest of this, uh, this interview and I'll see you on the next one. Let's um, let's move on. We are coming. Last time we chatted a lot about Basie history. We did a lot. Of history. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. I did notice on your mantelpiece there. The uh, this is going to segue in really nicely. I saw the. It's, not a, man, it's not a mantelpiece. What would you call that? It's a shelf. Picture ledge. <laughs> ledge. <laughs> picture ledge. It's called a ledge. Yeah, it's okay. a picture ledge. Yeah, you're right. There's no yeah. fire below. Um, the. The, I saw the ski ski cocktail oh, yeah. thing uh, patch ahead of its time ahead yeah. of its time mm. which which links us into our, our mutual friend John Yu mm. and talks about this kind of big shift this sort of seismic shift contained in that little paragraph of the press release that Basie put out when well, you know press release the web page mm. um, about the fact that they seem to have accepted that there is a declaration process that, that, that the yeah. British members can and could have been doing. I mean, let's be clear. They, the reason that anyone who has done the Euro test or has been training for it had to do it is because you were told, and, and it's, you know, why did you do it? Because it was on the website, it was a box to tick, and as you went through your courses and became part of the industry, everybody else was doing it and they all told you to do it. Mm. Hardly anybody went to the French government and said, what are the rules? How do I do it? Apart from, after we, after he met Jean-Yves, apart from Simon Butler. Mm -hmm. And the process has always been there. It's just that in the beginning when the Euro test was done, when Dave Renouf, who is who is French, did that deal with, with the French. It basically sold all of the members short of their full potential. So if people had followed, and people have followed, what it says in the French law, mm. and if their civil servants had treated those applications properly, which they have to, and of course they've tried not to, and Jean-Yves has taken them to court, yeah. many, many more members at all levels would be allowed to work in France. That door has always been open. It's held really tightly closed by the French government. Mm. 
But finally, I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? Right at the end of our time in the EU, which gave us these rights, mm. right at the end, the cases have been won. People can start to work there. There's a way for all members to put their dossiers in. Mm. Um, it's great that it's finally happened. And even Bayesley has come on board. Mm. You know, Bayesley is no longer a French subsidiary. The union of ski instructors in France, which trades as a business, mm. essentially it's a, it's a corporation yeah. taken over by its union, yeah. has, has finally lost control of Bayesley. Mm-hmm. Um, that sun has set. Um, and that influence over us and our association enabled them to persuade us, to persuade our members that they had to follow this other procedure which protected them from foreign competition. They did the same with the Spanish, the Czechs, the Dutch, the Danes. Um, they went around and each time they gave a few senior members, 200 in our case, less for the Czechs, 16 I think, mm. members the right to work in France, in exchange for which each system said to their new up-and-coming members who know nothing because yeah. they're brand new each year, yeah. oh, this is what you have to do. They essentially become the gatekeepers. And we'll train you to do it. Yeah. Um, and and charge no, you accordingly. Yeah, and no fault of those people. No, I've no great big conspiracy and all, a lot of friends, everyone else in the industry, oh, you're a test, you're a test, yeah. Congratulate my guys who do it, encourage them because they have to, they, they kind of have to do it to get the level four. Even though I would always pay people as a level four when they were level three with everything but the Euro test, so mm. I didn't, I never recognised it. Mm. Um, weirdly though, those people who got paid as level fours then, when they got it, were very much like, well, now everyone else has to do it. You know, because <laughs> of course, actually, you know, the, the, the political side is always much more important to people than the actual teaching. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, teaching skiing side, but yeah. So finally, we're there. Finally, we're there, and you know, the group of people that through whom the French use their control, have, have you know, nearly brought Basie to its knees and have gone, luckily. Mm-hmm. Um, they made a... All of them? Not quite. Um, but they, they made a grubby attempt recently to come back. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was replete with all the usual features of their of their opera, opera, operation uh, manual, right. you know, mm-hmm. a compliant admin lady who's willing to sacri- <laughs> sacrifice her own reputation to, to try and burn their enemies, you know. know what to look for. Um, yeah. There's yeah. all the, you know, there's all the usual, like, there's all the usual features of their, mm. of that, of that group's, like, way to operate. And, and luckily, for everyone in Basie, the chairman now has managed to get a board together which acts as a board because the board is represents the members the chief executive reports to the board the staff report to the chief executive one of those staff members is the head of the trainers and the trainers report to him he reports to the CEOs he reports to the board is a structure and if you're on a course with a trainer you're there and there's then there's steps above you mm. and it, it, what happened historically is that got reversed mm. so it's like the board worked for the CEO and the more that happened, the more he could sort of say, well, look, uh, let's just brush this under the carpet and I'll let you write a, a bit of the manual or something. Mm. I'll let you do some a working group and you can have £200 a day and you can jet off here and there. Mm. You know, I mean, I feel sorry for the domestic airlines in the UK now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there must be a few like... Flying be start, yeah, the air miles <laughs> balance will start to get, you know, yeah. to drop. But I mean, it is good. It is good. And, you know, I think the only lesson you get from that is that if you tread on people on your way up, 
sometimes they'll be waiting for you on the mm. on your way back down. You know, I mean, it's it's good. It's good. Finally, we got that. I mean, ironic that on the French side of it that it's as we leave the EU. Mm. I mean, maybe like they're doing with Switzerland, there'll be some sort of free movement. There'll be some sort of free movement um, thing with the French. Yeah. I mean, there's there's half a million of them in London. Mm. Um, and what what do we, what are our requirements? Well, our requirements are what? I mean, we've got five thousand members, two hundred of whom are allowed to work in France. Mm. So if all the people put dossiers in, there might be a thousand. Mm. You know, so that's great. I mean, we're happy to happy to let your people come and work in London, and we're just like a thousand tickets for ski instructors. Wouldn't you? Maybe be- maybe they could wrap all that up in the fishing thing as well. You know, but, <laughs> What they need to do, what Basie needs to do now is, is, is get in amongst that. Mm. And all that stuff's going to get traded. I mean, we're not just going to isolate ourselves completely from the, mm. from the continent. No. There will be some sort of horse trading. Well, your fish, you know, you get the waters off Guernsey. And well, okay, then we'd like the, we'd like the golf coaches, the ski instructors. and it would, be, you know. it would be nice if some of this was sorted fairly soon. It's it's almost <laughs> September. Yeah, yeah. Now I tell you the reason I say that, and I'm, we're going to digress slightly back into because you mentioned this sort of Swiss Swiss free movement. I keep going to the commune. I say, yeah. hey, what do you know about what's going to happen to my all entirely British team of ski instructors uh, after thirty first December? And they always say the same thing: is that we don't know. Yeah, we don't know because uh, you know that you have to announce obviously. Your instructors on short stay, ninety days. So, I mean, quite done. a lot of them now live but, here, and yeah, you know, but um, Swiss or have permits or whatever. Yeah, but you know what happens after that? I suspect that they will continue to use that that website and put a British exception in. Because yeah. that's supposed to be for European nationals, isn't it? Yeah. To come and declare themselves to work short term. I suspect that that will they'll just continue to use that, but have the UK guys in there, and, and the UK will be allowed a 90 day thing and that would just carry on because it's it's the least amount of paperwork that you would have to do well last year I read in that the, the um, yeah have you heard anything different That's yeah I mean the, 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 the called mind the acutely named mind the gap agreement between the UK and Switzerland mm. allows for the the workers the workers right to continue after the end of the adaptation not the adaptation period what's it called the transition period which ends at the end of December yeah um, so that will end but it will continue with Switzerland now when that happened last year we were up against this December deadline mm-hmm. we spoke to four or five people at the embassy they spoke to people in the government and it reverted to a quota system okay and do you know people the embassy came back to us and they said oh look no there's this there's this type of uh, L permit, which is 120 days, and anyone can have it up to any point. And so we, we took, I took that to the canton and to the commune, and they said, well, that doesn't exist. And I was like, no, no, look, it doesn't. It's on the federal website. And they were like, oh, no. Okay. I mean, there are 2,222 communes, I think, mm-hmm. and they don't really know. They'll probably receive something eventually. They don't really know what's going on. The embassy goes to the federal government, and they go, oh, yes, look, we have this beautiful folder full of visa possibilities for your citizens <laughs> and I mean I suspect it will be okay but mm-hmm. there's not um, the, the intention at a high level is for it to continue as before yeah if it if it goes to a quota system I don't rate the ski instructor being a priority 
mm. when it comes if people want to pharma companies and finance and so on they want to bring people in yeah you know who will pay more tax I'd say mm -hmm. and they probably will win but I think the intention is that it will work both ways and it will carry on as before no, I suspect um, that will be the case certainly to, don't I mean don't bother don't, I wouldn't even bother with the commune just go to the talk to the talk to the embassy and they that been something that they flag up and mm. You know, because they 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 have every they have good intentions, and also I mean, a lot of people have been planning. We've been planning. We've been reducing the number of Brits, mm. or finding Brits with other passports, Irish passports, European passports, mm. native English speakers from other places with European passports. Mm. Um, we have we have been planning for it, and I have reduced the number of Brits. Okay, because I think we're probably sixty-five full time. Mm. So it has to be a little bit. Organised ahead of the event. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Certainly in Zermatt, we have more Brits. Here my, we have fewer yeah. Brits. My plan is to carry on as normal until someone tells yeah. me otherwise. Yeah. Which, you know, by that time, the ski season will probably be over anyway. Yeah, but I think definitely take it up. Like, go up as high as you can. Mm. And the embassy very friendly. You know, you go and see them in Bern. It's not far. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. You know, they will, they will help you. <coughs> but, I mean, it is the Swiss, ultimately, that, mm. you know, they will do it. I think they're a lot better at doing these deals. They're maybe written getting better, but I think they just run circles around them initially. Seems to be. Yeah. What? Um, let's let's head back over to to Basie. Like, if I was a, a Basie instructor who had spent the last number of years trying to get Eurotest, crashed, injured my knee. Yeah. You know, spent thousands and thousands of pounds on training, paying money to gatekeepers to get. Uh, gatekeepers what I mean is you know yeah. trainers and the like yeah to get this qualification that turns out didn't need yeah be well, sold down the river a little bit the membership haven't they people did it before you could work in Europe with it people did the level 4 I mean it was designed to meet the, the whole idea of the level 4 being as big as it is and as modular as it is and the total number of hours that are involved hmm. is that there is no, it creates a point where there is no substantial difference between your qualification and the French qualification. Mm -hmm. That's why it is the way it is. Mm. Now, that fact was not fully exploited when it came to getting people to apply. They got the agreement to put the Euro test into it. Um, but I wouldn't feel, I mean, it's a great qualification. You've, you, it proves you're skiing at a really high level. The people that deliver the courses deliver them really well. The assessment is fantastic. The training body is is good, um, and the qualification is is respected around the world. And you are a good skier once you've finished it. I mean, that doesn't change the way you can work, when, by who, what agreements, whatever. That none of that changes the fact that you have a European level full cert qualification once you've finished it. A global. I mean, compared with the places that you might be able to work afterwards. Mm. Canada, US, those places. Your skiing standard, it's, you know, people always talk about the levels and if you're a level three, but you are the lowest level three, I say you just scrape the level three. Mm. You are the level. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are above the level. So yeah. they're not the level, they're higher than the level. But if you just scrape to level four, like, you know, it's a hot day and it's perfect snow and, you know, you're in Andorra yeah, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trainers are feeling good, and, <laughs> you know. Um, you, you, you just scraped it like boom you're just at the level doesn't matter where you pass that level is already a really high level mm -hmm. so people shouldn't feel there shouldn't be a, I don't think there should be a. I mean the people that the people that got injured doing the Euro test maybe they have some some case but 
I don't think so. And I think everyone now should rally round Basie because um, Basie, you know, needs you to book courses. Um, it was left by the Ancien Regime in a in a difficult position, and the, the current the, new, the current chairman is is doing a great job fixing it. I'd say more than difficult, wouldn't you say more than difficult? Like, uh, um, we're both good friends with Peter, right? Yeah. Former Basie chairman, and, and he's told me on numerous occasions that CEO, sorry, yeah. um, on numerous occasions about the the good state in which the finances of Basie were left when he when he left. Yeah, there was half a mil in the bank, no debt yeah, on the place, no, yeah. and and that money has, for want of a better word, evaporated in the last. Ten years, yeah, under the stewardship of. Andrew you look at me? Yeah, and I'm glad you said that. I don't want him coming after me. Lee. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, you're not saying anything. It's all covered in those. But in it's, those, it's it's well, true. Those, I didn't. I don't. I don't really follow it that closely. But I watched the videos that came out. And you've seen the, you've seen the data that the, the, the current finance uh, officer uh, has, has said. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that because I mean, the guy. Is you know, he's a very plausible stand-up guy. He's been in charge for a long time. He um, was chairman, chief executive, level four examiner. I mean, you know, massive presence in the in the industry. And everyone, everyone has their their downfall eventually, and that's that's now happened. Mm. But um, the finances were very gently eroded. You know, you make a little bit of a loss. Okay, well next year will be better. You try this. It's very easy to hire, try and hire your way out of problems. Mm. And people, I mean, I've, I've, I, you know, I don't. You can, you know, you can see a lot of the mistakes they made. You know, someone's not very good at a job. Well, let's split the job and bring someone else in to do the bit you don't like. And mm. you know, let's let's give everyone their own office instead of renting half the building out. And let's, you know, it's very easy. And I've made a lot of those mistakes in my own business. Um, so I can I can easily see how it would all the, all the political like intrafactional kind of nonsense aside you can it's very easy to make all those mistakes and mm. um, especially if it's not your own business if you're a CEO of something that you don't essentially own mm. um, yeah you know the, the consequences are less less harsh if it if no skin in the game um, but yeah it is it is um, you can see all those mistakes and I don't I don't think we need to like roast them for that too much but it is in a precarious situation and people need to rally around now and, and support it you know, if you if you're if you have a job and you you're you're in the game and you want to do that telemark course or that snowboard course that you haven't done or the mm. off piece thing, you know, I might book on an off piece week this season. Um, just get a refresher. You know, I think, I think, the, I think um, people should people should rally around because it is the current leadership thinks it should be a lean um, training and assessment body, mm. more on the assessment side, I think. Its purpose is not to make a profit, mm. but non-profit things still have to make a little profit and build up a reserve mm. and be financially stable. And that's all it should do. It's not a business. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be trying to take over China. No. There's a risk you don't get paid. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be. I mean, in this in this thing that happened recently, I heard there, were, there was quite a high Chinese sort of participation in that. Mm. Um, we need to watch out our foreign influence is obviously essential if you're a British ski instructor association because your members are going to work abroad so you need to be talking to other countries and moulding your system a little bit to make your instructors attractive to 
overseas and foreign yeah. employers, but you have to watch that doesn't go too far. And obviously it did with the French and yeah. there's a risk it could have done with China too. Mm. Um, but yeah, people, it shouldn't be like a, a mega corporation and it should, it should be managed like a sensible, small family business. And it shouldn't be, you know, it doesn't need, I think there's this culture in the UK where, you know, you can't do the washing up without a strategy document. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, okay, we've got a th- we've got 5,000 members. They all pay £100 a year in membership. Mm. And some of them do courses. And, you know, it just needs to be sensibly managed. It's funny you should say that because I've, I've just come up with well, two things. So one, I, I did my bit. I did the online video analysis CPD. Very, oh, yeah, good, yeah. very good course, yeah. well delivered. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. And, and actually, I did a lovely, lovely, um, I think it must have been the start of last year. I did a lovely... CPD with, with an armor. Um, a lovely CPD with jazz at the start in November in Diablo. It was really, really good. So, so I've I've chipped in certainly towards you know yeah. the pot this year. But um, I've just come off the off of one of the the Basie working groups on Tuesday. We delivered um, so internally Basie is doing a sort of re what do you call it like a like a management consultant thing, like what's wrong internally and what can we do? Mm-hmm. So they've taken these sort of a number of working groups for uh, different areas. And I was specifically engaged with uh, member engagement and communications. Oh, okay. Um, mainly, I guess, because of because of my work on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and we came up with some similar things. And one of them was that, that in the la- under the last regime, yeah, Basie had become incredibly corporate in the way that it communicated with the membership. Mm. You know, it's like, and and yeah, I put it in one of my slides. You know, we are not Basie is not a Fortune five hundred company. We don't need to talk to people like this. We're not selling them stuff. Mm. We are there, there is an organisation just for giving out tickets, mm. ski instructor licenses, and that's what you do. Mm. And furthermore, you're not speaking to as many people as you think you're speaking to. Don't be fooled by the, the license number on your membership thing. Mine is 14,000 and something. Yeah. There, there's 5,000 members and 2,000 of those, more than 2,000 of those aren't even, aren't even active. Yeah. You're going to pull your one no, and gonna. say that you're number three or something. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> uh, 2,000 or something. I have no idea what mine is. But, um, I don't even have one. But, uh, and so this, for me... Our recommendations, yeah. this needs to be a simpler, leaner yeah, organization. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd also like to know more about the history of the history of it. You know, I want to know about all these guys that went before me. I don't just want to see this sort of slick corporation, you know, that is, that yeah. is trying That's, to sell me what stuff. Well, there is a book written by James Cove, The History of Basin, mm. which of after he finished it was edited for three years by the old... Um, the old regime. Mm-hmm. Spent three years editing it. Airbrushing um, history. You know? Airbrushing history. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should. I think they should uh, republish the original. The original. Text. Yeah. 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 I know. I know that. I know that I was airbrushed out of it. But um, I would airbrush. I would too. I would too. Yeah. I'm a troublemaker. Um, Bound. Yeah. No, I, well, I don't know about. <laughs> I don't know about that. I prefer CAD. Um, no, I'm going to give you a book recommendation <laughs> later. You yeah, like. but don't read that. Read my book. Yeah. I've, I've written a book. No, let, let's, let's leave yeah. it to that. No, 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 no. I mean, let's talk about it. I think they should yeah. relaunch James Cove's history. You basically paid him to write the book. Um, 
years ago. Right. Then it was edited for three years. Then it came out. Um, so if people are interested in that. I mean, I don't know why they would be, but if they were, I and mean, it is interesting, then it's only started in the 60s, so it's not that that old. Mm. But it is interesting. And, and um, But you never hear anything about that. People this is what we were saying. So I'd love to hear from some of these old boys, you know, who started the thing back in the 60s. Well, a lot of them now are starting to pass away. So Yeah, so you could he, get these guys quick before they are... Yeah. Before he, that happens, right? He, um, he edited them... Um, I think they're edited out, but... I think that he wrote the book and they're all in there, so um, it should um, it should be republished the original mm-hmm. text. James, wherever you are, we want the original text. I should oh, get Basie, has it. Basie has it. Basie has it. I'm sure. Yeah. Do you know him? Let's get. Yeah, him. I know him. Yeah. Let's get yeah. him. Podcast him. You should podcast him. Yeah. I mean, he has his own media um, outlet. He'd be. He's actually be a great one to to interview. Okay. Um, yeah. And during lockdown, I um, I've written a book, How to Be a Ski Instructor, for first time ski instructors had to be a good ski instructor so not for you and I but for the first well, it makes you think I know how to be a <laughs> ski instructor it's making it up as a guy almost oh uh, really you can buy that um, what made you do this so you were tapping away here like well back in where I used to live um, mm. um, I moved here in June okay um, well I just had nothing to do really and I was locked in the house yeah um, so I decided to do that, and I've, I've tried to start editing it, which I realise takes about three times as long as. It's funny. It, it's funny you should say that because I've just finished. My dad wrote a book, oh. one hundred and fifty-one A four pages of his life story. Wow! In chronological order, uh, and it's actually amazing what he can remember, because I sat there and I thought of myself. If I had to write a book of my life, there's a whole section like in my twenties and thirties that I'd lost because yeah. purely because it's all been drowned in alcohol. Something to do with Red Bull and yeah. vodka Absolutely. and pint glasses. Yeah. But it's extraordinary. This book. I mean, it's a real like throwback to another time. Yeah. But what I was going to say was that I have spent two summers editing it, and I'm still finding stuff in it that I, I, I have. You know, I finally kind of had enough, and I said, right, I'm going to go and print this now. So I've actually got two or three copies coming in the post any day now. Wow. Um, it's his birthday today, actually. Hi there. Oh, cool. Um, nice. So, yeah, so I've actually had it made into a real book. But there's companies that do that now. And, print, um, print on demand or yeah. put it on on um, yeah on Kindle. That's right. So, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to buy it necessarily because it's quite unique. When you go on, when you go on, um, if you put a book on Kindle, mm. where you'll be able to buy my book, um, you, there are two options you, people can pay for it so a few dollars and, and you get a percentage of that mm-hmm. or you, you can even get it free of charge for people who subscribe a subscription. The prime. they get so many books free of charge and the authors of those books get a percentage of the page turns of that person mm. so somebody who reads a lot buys a subscription to get access to all the free books and then the, every time they click on a page mm-hmm. say they pay $100 a month or whatever 100 a year and they read a hundred pages. The authors get a percentage of the per page percentage of the subscription as a page turn thing. Okay. So there are people whose books are free, but who are earning. Um, some of them earn like over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay. Just from and they obviously they then try and get to these mad reader niches of people who buy the subscription. Yeah. yeah. You know, weird, weird, um, like romance niches and stuff you know but, but there are like I mean you've been on there there's just books about yeah 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 
So <coughs> I just intend to put my book is just um, for people. You know, imagine like I don't know a guy who's or a girl going to be a ski instructor, and their aunt is like, "Oh, that's exciting." They go on Kindle and they're like, "Well, I'll buy him that book." So it's aimed right at the very first step. What's it called? How to be a good ski instructor. Hmm? I shouldn't give that away so soon because people will like register it. And it's fiction. It'll be on that. Yeah, it'll be a fiction. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually very interesting reading it, writing it because. It makes you think a lot about the stuff and what's important. Is it technical or is it like a more of a, a guide of how to be? Uh, you know, there's so so such a small amount of the book which is technical. Okay. And I thought I'm not going to try and like discipline neutralize it. Like I'm not going to say ski snow or telemarket or whatever. Yeah. Time yeah. I, I just use the word ski, and I'm not going to try and make it applicable to everybody. Mm-hmm. So there is a section about how to take a group of clients for lunch mm-hmm. in Verbier or Zermatt. So now that won't be applicable to someone who works at Milton Keynes. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but some of it will. Oh, maybe they'll invite, have a restaurant they'll, there. <coughs> yeah, they'll, they'll invite you for, for lunch. And mm. there's a lot of it that isn't applicable to everybody, but it will be useful if you end up in an, in a, in an alpine resort looking after people. Most of it is customer service. Yeah. Um, most of it is safety, customer service, psychology. Um, but once you start, you started with a big mind map and then and then just got got writing. But a lot of it is just caring for people and giving them a good time. And um, I was going to call it. I might, I've got some other ideas for it for a title. But you know, when you have that connection with a client and yeah, they're really enjoying their lesson. They're whooping along and you know they're just happy and they're improving and you're making them brave and their confidence is growing yeah I mean it's it's fantastic as, a, as the instructor very satisfying you know so yeah yeah it, it doesn't happen does it in every in every lesson no um, well, but maybe, when it, maybe not in yours <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen every, every lesson but some people and I, the, the big thing I think is is that the, the educated the ski instructor the new instructor will go on a course a basic course or something mm. like that and there it is mostly technical and understanding the nuts you're and bolts. right no one does talk you about the, the, the bulk of the job which is non technical yeah, yeah. non technical what do you talk about what do you not talk about mm. you know what do you how do you find out what your clients want what do they really want do they want to most people here don't want mad technical lessons mm. they do want some in mm. there so you've got to be able to deliver that because that's what your job is but if you go right at that, then people don't want that. They want a ski lesson, but they also want to be guided or looked after or have someone to follow. And you've got to be, it's basically a long essay trying to persuade people to be open to what the clients want. And it's funny, actually. I and, to remember listen, and to listen. Yeah. yeah. One of the very, very first podcasts I did was a guy, a good friend of mine called Ali, Ali McGrain. You, you probably might know him. He, he worked here for New Gen for a bit. And um, we talked a lot about the the being the simplicity of a ski lesson so if you jam someone with loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of technical information yeah. it's not it doesn't end up generally being a good lesson no. but if you can focus down on one thing that really makes a difference to that person it might not be all of the things but for that day that one thing yeah that is the technical side that really makes a difference yeah. the rest of it the other stuff yeah, the psychology, the yeah. being a good host, the, the kind of the knowledgeable about the mountain and yeah. like that. Yeah. My old boss Ernest said this to me you know, one time. He says, it's important that you know the names. It's nothing to do with skiing. It's important you know the names of all of those mountains there. Yeah, absolutely. Because your clients can ask you, 
Yeah. And if he doesn't ask you, you can tell him anyway. Yeah. But even though you need to know the name of all of these, yeah. you know, what's that over there? Where's the oh, du Mop or whatever? Yeah. And it's you need to know where the best coffee is and where yeah. the you know they don't they're not if you can let them into those little secrets on the mountains and you take them somewhere and you know at ten thirty in the morning at this place that Portuguese chef makes this apple pie mm. and it's delicious and the hot chocolate's good at that one but at the other one they use fresh milk and you know mm. little things like local knowledge yeah the mushroom the mushroom dish at the terrace in the middle of Val Turin the mountain mushroom dish and I went there and I was sitting there with my clients and this, this ESF guy next to me I heard him lean over and whisper to his clients you know I know the chef and he has this amazing mushroom dish and it's not on the menu <laughs> I was like I, was like, I will oh, use that oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean cheeky side you know I looked at the menu it's bloody there on the menu <laughs> but he had the whole magic going you know yeah, but yeah. You, you've, got to, you've got to know that stuff mm. you've got to know all those things um yeah. I mean there's a guy in Zermatt a ski instructor I don't know who it is but he's set up his own Instagram account where he takes a picture of his lunch every day <laughs> you know I mean like ski instructor lunch yeah I mean there are sometimes you know the whole thing around lunching is interesting because you know who who pays well of course the client pays if they take you for lunch mm. but it's it's not necessarily discussed beforehand so you have to offer to pay and be willing to pay and sometimes you might have to pay <laughs> most of the time you don't what do you order it's well, like a, a game of poker they order first <laughs> and if they order a salad yeah you order a salad yeah, yeah. you know I had a client you know, there's a restaurant here Carrefour and they do this Pierre Chaud's steak thing I've had it like a handful of times and the last time I had it with clients, they were like, Julian, we've ordered the steak. You've got to have it too. And I was like, no, 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 I'll just have the Rosti. Rosti Creble is the famous one. And they were like, no, 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 we insist. And I was like, no, 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 I did. Because it's this real thing like, mm. you know, there's, there's one instructor in Verbier, it doesn't work for me, who held it, they had a sort of unofficial record going. In the season, he ate that dish 75 times. Oh, come on. No. yeah. Which is some kind of record. But of course, you've got to have clients who are having that dish. You can't, you know, once we had an instructor who had a morning, there were two instructors, one all day, one half day. And at the end, they all finished at the restaurant and the guy, the instructor who should have just gone, he was sort of hanging around and they went, oh, would you like to join us for lunch? And then he was like, oh, yes, please. And I was like, who's from Eastern Europe? There, you, know what you know, sometimes it's quite tricky. And, and um, be so careful, I say. Um, no, and he was like, yeah, please. And then, so he ordered this steak thing. And it comes with like this big paper bibby kind of thing, you know. And the other instructor, the other instructor, he's there with this whole theatrical performance and everyone else has finished their little salads, whatever. And <laughs> the other instructor, the other instructor took a photo of him um, with the whole bibby eating the steak. The clients are like up, ready to go. And he's still like off. This, this great like, um, you know, cot de boeuf sort of thing they create, Pierre show. And we actually find him yeah um, it was outrageous um, and the photo you know it's a good, good training tool but um, yeah you know the whole, the whole lunching thing like okay the kids will finish their meals quickly yes and what do they do they're bored they're running around outside the restaurant exactly. what do you do you get up and take them for a ski yeah you go. oh what do you mean one of, I'm not teaching the kids well get up yeah. go skiing take them for a run let the, let the mums and dads enjoy another bottle of wine um, yeah. you know let them do that don't drink well maybe you can have a glass but what happens if you have three glasses or mm. what happens if you're pissed? Well, if you're pissed and then you go down the wrong run or even if it's the right run, yeah. but the client has Something an accident, happens. you know, you'll have a, each ski school will have a different policy. We have, yeah. 
mm. have a glass of wine. I think that's defendable. You know, if you've had like six glasses of wine and you go, well, you get this sort of, you get excited, you're like, oh, well, you could do this run, yes, do yeah, it together, yeah, yeah. you know, I'll get you down. And then, you know, oh my God, six months later, she's still in hospital. And, yeah, it doesn't take much. So. No, I mean, there's all sorts of things that they've got to take responsibility for. Mm. Um, and it's like a cosy moment with people you like in a restaurant, have another glass. Mm. Oh, yeah, okay. And then you end up in trouble. So, um, I've got my. I've always got my my get out of jail free card for that month because I've been sober for five years now. Have you? Mm. Wow. I just don't drink. Good, good effort. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of doing the same. Mm. Same thing. Increasingly, when I go out, I don't drink too much. I've just had enough of it. Frankly. Yeah. But I know more and more people who don't. It's really odd. I think it comes with age. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. But it's um. Yeah. It's interesting. Changed my life around a lot. Has it really? Yeah. A lot of good things came out of that. Yeah. Richer too. Don't spend all your money on alcohol. Yeah, yeah. And all the lost hours. Um, the biggest one I was thinking that really got me is that I used to go, I don't even go to pubs anymore, but when I used to, but be sober, you suddenly work out who who were drunk friends. Oh, really? Yeah. And who are like real yeah, people yeah. that you know. And yeah, that was really, that was really, really interesting. Mm. Fine. Mm. And, uh, and, and some of the resentment from people that, that were sort of resent that you stopped. You know, that's really that was a really strange oh, thing. Interesting. Too. Yeah. yeah, really, mm. really strange. Really strange. So, a book. Can't believe it. I feel like I've wasted my lock time now. lockdown time now. Well, <laughs> well, I, mean, it, I mean honestly it's, it's only it's only gonna be like a small book. Like um I don't wanna make it too challenging to a novella. A novella it's like it's a, I don't wanna I know, I know most ski instructors and I don't want to um I don't want to um make it too challenging. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's only a small, only like 40,000 words, so barely like 100. That's 100 really tiny good. pages if you make it postcard size, I think. So. That's amazing. So well, it's good it's because you can pop that in your, if you're a sort of budding ski instructor, you pop it in your pocket. And, exactly, yeah. Uh, you know, it's there for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like to talk about? Because um, otherwise, I think I've got to go and deliver a boot full of motorbike parts to Villa. Ah, right. Well, um, yeah, I just think like in the in the coming in the coming season, um, it's going to be tough for ski instructors everywhere because there's a lot of uncertainty. I like you think that it's going to be okay. Mm. I think the bookings will come in last minute. I think the low season will be quieter. I think people need to plan for that and be mm. ready for it. I think a lot of travel businesses uh, will go under, mm. um, and I, I think that. Um, people need to be ready for change and that means that the, what you're used to will be different mm-hmm. and that's you know from for everybody from new instructors old instructors clients will you know for example we may our clients our ski instructors may used to just go off and meet people at the chalets well maybe now you have to go to a certain point and mm-hmm. do a temperature test yeah each yeah. day you know we're going to change around our products a little bit we're going to make some stuff which we think people will, will, will like. Um, things will change. Um, and I think it's changing for everybody. So, you know, the people who rent out staff accommodation, it's changing for them too. Mm. You can drive a harder bargain there. Yeah. Um, people should rally behind um, uh, Basie if they can, if they're in that association. And they should also learn languages. I mean, that's the other, that's the other thing. Like, 
you know, we get so many applications from ski instructors. Gen, 80% of them are male, English, <coughs> speak one language. Mm. I'm just like, I mean, that, that was like me when I was 18. Mm. So I look at them and I feel like, oh, I should, you know, read the application. But I'm like, it doesn't take that long to learn another language. And, and don't learn French because everyone speaks French. And the French have their own instructors, yeah. a native speaker. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have no chance. Learn Arabic, mm. learn Russian, learn something that will be useful, even Portuguese, because there are loads of Brazilians. And those clients from further afield, China, Japan, Brazil especially, Russia, mm. they come in low season weeks. Russia New Year week is the low, first low season week. Mm -hmm. um, and be open to, you know, those clients when they, after this is all over, and we've seen this trend away from, to more long distance travelers from different places, people, um, have different cultural expectations. You know, we had one. We had one client last year who landed in his helicopter. I had an instructor waiting at the top for him. He'd flown in from Russia that morning, and um, his wife got out of the helicopter and the, the snowboard put a snowboard on the ground. I mean, they literally come straight from <laughs> straight from home, east of Moscow, mm -hmm. and the snowboard slid away. The instructor couldn't catch it. And it, it slid like 400 meters down towards Verbier. So the husband went down to get it. This is not what you dream of, is it? You book, <laughs> you book jet. Just, this is not advice you'll find in the book, it's how yeah. to deal with this. Your jet in your helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's down there struggling across the off-piece. And I, I get down there and he's, um, we get the snowboard and we're on the way back up the T-bar. First he said, I said, I said, oh, we'll, we'll take it round for your wife. And he's like, no, 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 she can come and took a look. And I was like, well, it's very difficult. It's chopped up, sunburnt, off-piste, all sastrugi, you know. Yeah. And um, I was like, well, she might find it difficult. It might take her a long time. I called up the instructor. I said, well, you wait. I said, look, let's go and let's take the tea, let's take the tea bar up. Let's, let's go and give her the snowboard. And um, he was like, okay, okay. So we, we got, we're on the tea bar. And this female instructor. And he said to me, um, he said, oh, um, you've, you've given me this instructor a girl and um, this is good for my for my young female child but for my son he will not listen to women you must give me another one <laughs> so I was like well mm, I can't this girl's got a week of work and I was like well I can't do that but I could give you another instructor and he's like yeah fine fine no problem you know um and that vein of like behavior and cultural difference was yeah. really difficult for the instructor to cope with. Mm -hmm. You know, people people need to diversify, and especially those guys. I, mean, I envy a little bit the guys in France who are like independent, or they're there with a buddy and they go to ski school because like they get one booking and their season's the same as last year. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> like, oh yeah, well that wasn't that like a credit crisis. They're like, oh yeah, it was okay. Yeah, you know, because there's just them and their hours. Yes, and yeah. they're teaching British intermediate middle class people who speak their own language. Yeah, if you're over here, you've got to deal with Russians and Arabs and mm. all sorts of people. You know, London-based couples of different nationalities, and it's not only the language; it's the culture. Mm. So for this young British female instructor, it was a challenge. She had to if had to find herself standing up to this Russian guy. As mm. soon as she did, he backed down, following her everywhere like a, like a, like a little pet. Mm. I mean, but, but before that, it was like, take us here, take us there, real boss, 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 you know. 
those different cultural expectations are hard to deal with. Good fun challenge for mm. people. Um, but you, you, you know, the, I mean, on top of the COVID, there's obviously the Brexit. Mm. Um, you know, we've got we've got the practical problems of COVID, and we might do temperature testing every day, COVID testing every week, or even every day. I'm even looking at a machine for COVID testing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there'll be there'll be practical changes like that, but there'll also be these different challenges with getting people from different places and. So I think just people need to be ready for change. And British mm. instructors, who I know are most of the listeners, need to be ready for different things. Mm. You know, like just teaching that narrow socioeconomic group in a medium-sized French resort, that's very, very comfortable. Mm. Teaching them skiing on a two-hour lesson because you're trying to maximize your yield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the world is changing. You know, you've got to get ready for to be working in different places, teaching different people who have different cultural outlook to you. You know, your whole, you, you might be a young Brit, like this girl, you know, has makes assumptions about people and equality and all those things. And then there you are teaching someone who you can't shake the hands of the female members of the group or, you know, so you, mm. the yeah. world is changing and you have to, I think, be ready to, to change with it. And all of that stuff came out when I was writing the book. I was like, okay, well, uh, I better put this in because they need to, you know, we had a group of clients and from the Middle East and shook the hand of the, the, the dad and of went to shake the hand like you would with a Westerner shake the hand of the, oh you're not allowed mm. oh they were like adult children like mm. 20 year old daughters and that you just automatically went to shake the group's hand oh, I'm not allowed to because they're unmarried so mm-hmm. you have to be ready for that stuff you have to be yeah yeah you know especially and now I think in the top resorts which is seeing a concentration of runaway wealth mm. um people who are very international by nature mm. um, and have a you know I mean I think people who work in Kosovo would agree that in the beginning maybe 20 years ago some of those countries were quite um, they were quite uncouth mm-hmm. when they went to eat out mm. um, but now very civilised very you know I remember teaching Brazilians when I was in my early 20s in Courchevel and I was just shocked how rude they were but now I think you know people are more educated more international and the instructors hopefully can cope with that stuff um, but I mean that's not my main message my main message is like we're in a, we're in a shitstorm and yeah. people need to be ready for change mm-hmm. adapt or die yeah alright well thank you very much thank you for your time and thank you for having me yeah no pleasure, pleasure. I really appreciate it only, only, only guests so far for a part two Ah, I'm very, I'm very honoured to be the first, first one <laughs> first for, a part, part for a part two. I hope uh, if anyone has made it, made it this far, then um, I'm very honoured uh, to have so much of their attention. Good, thank you.